Hi, I'm Paul Grenier, host of Whiskey and Wood. On this webisode, I'm excited to introduce you to Austin Keenan of Keenan Slab Works. It's an amazing story of a dream business that all started with a big ass walnut tree and an ice storm. Hi, I'm Paul Grenier. This is Whiskey and Wood. Bring in the people, the stories, and the success to you. This is a multi-billion dollar industry, and these guys and gals are out to get a piece of it. Why whiskey and wood? Why not? Hello everyone, I'm your host Paul Grenier, sitting down with Austin Keenan, Keenan Slab Works. He's calling in from Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. How's it going, Austin? It's going well. So yeah, I was just wondering, uh, can you tell us your story? Take us to the beginning a little bit of how this journey started for you. Um, well, my dad was looking to retire and he wanted to do something other than, you know, be inside. Um, and he had some interest in doing some woodworking, um, small scale stuff, you know, jewelry boxes, birdhouse, birdhouses, things that size. Um, so we looked into producing our own material because we have a, a wooded lot here and decided that we needed, uh, you know, a chainsaw mill. So we were actually renting a chainsaw from a local uh, tool rental place. And uh, we learned very quickly how labor intensive that is. So we decided to get a bandsaw. Uh, we started off with an easy boardwalk model 40 um, with the intentions of only being a hobby. You know, we had no intentions of turning this into a business. It was just something fun to do on the weekends. And then um, we started doing log removals. Um, people would have a tree blow over in a storm or they would have it cut down for any number of reasons. And we would go and remove the material for free um, in turn for getting the material. So it was our property. And then we would mill it into slabs and boards. Um, and then after we started doing that, people asked to buy the material from us. And that wasn't something that we had ever planned on doing, um, but we we're kind of happy that they did because then we were able to finance you know, our hobby and put gas in the truck and all that. Um, that was all the way back in 2017. So for the first two and a half to three years, we were just really milling for ourselves. And if people would come out and buy something, then that was fine. But the business really took off when we introduced the uh, iDrive Plus kiln. Uh, we found that in the first two and a half to three years, it was very difficult to find anyone around where we are located that was willing to dry material that wasn't their own. Nobody was really interested in doing that. Some places would take a slab or two here in this load, but they wouldn't for the next load. And some people or some businesses could take more if they had space, but it was difficult to find somebody consistent. And I would say nine out of every 10 of our customers that came to buy slabs from us needed to have them dried or wanted to have them dried. 
So we saw an opportunity to be a one-stop shop for people where we could mill, you know, our logs or their logs if they brought them to us and also dry them uh, at the same property. And we would do monthly kiln loads so that they could have a quick turnaround for, for their own material. So when we introduced the iDrive Plus, that was uh, late February of, of uh, 2020. So it's going on three years that we've had that machine now. And since we've introduced that, we have not had a single month that the kiln hasn't been loaded with at least half of the total load being customer slabs that they've either purchased from us or brought to us for drying. That's amazing. Um, what was really nice about the iDry is not just the convenience of having it here and being able to offer that service to other people, um, but it's the reliability and dependability of the product. I know that at the, I, well, we've been doing this for three years now, so I have a pretty good idea of how long it's going to take to dry, for example, 12-quarter walnut or 8-quarter poplar. I know the drying cycles are different. But when people call in or they'll send me a message and they ask how long something's going to take or, you know, how much it's going to cost, I can give them a pretty good idea on, you know, their total financial commitment for their project. Um, so having this machine for three years now, and I was just thinking about this the other day, we use that machine more than anything else. It runs 24-7. Um, and, and we try to have all of our loads ready to go. When the current kiln charge ends, we can just start another one right away and start that four-week or five-week um, you know, kiln duration. But the, the, um, the kiln itself, because we've had it for three years now and um, we're used to drying a lot of material for other people that pay us to do that, we've been able to finance um, growth in other areas of our sawmill business. So this past year, or actually last year, um, we bought a new mill, a new sawmill. Uh, we were able to put a, a nice amount of money down on that just because of the revenue stream that the iDry um, provides for us. And before that, we were able to upgrade our truck. So we have a uh, 2021 Ram 4500 that we now use for you know, log removals. We were able to buy a gooseneck trailer for it that we can put 16,000 pounds worth of material on. And the, uh, the catalyst for all those purchases were from the revenue generated by the eye dry is what you were saying? Is that kind of it, maybe the Directly and indirectly, yes. Directly, you know, you have the eight, ten, twelve thousand dollars a month that the kiln brings in, depending on what you're drying. Um, but you also have the added revenue because now you can sell slabs. You can say, look, I can dry it here for you. You can come pick out whatever slab you want. We have a thousand, fifteen hundred slabs. I'll get it in the next kiln load. It'll be ready for you in two months. Um, you know, we can have it flattened for you too. So trying to be that, that one-stop shop um, has allowed our revenue streams to increase across the board, not just, you know, in one area. Um, but that iDry was the catalyst. That, that took us from being a hobbyist 
type, uh, I don't want to say business, but endeavor, I guess. That's what I was going to say. It's pretty crazy that this all started with renting a, uh, a chainsaw mill, a <laughs> chainsaw on the chainsaw mill. And did you ever cut wood or cut lumber prior to renting that chainsaw mill? Is that something you'd ever done, ever messed with a portable sawmill? Or was that it? Was that your first time? We've never, before using that rented chainsaw and a chainsaw mill, we had never, I had never done any actual milling. We went and looked at a sawmill one time and the guy, the owner of the mill let me uh, do two passes, but that was it. That's, That's it. my limit of milling before uh, all this started. So what were you doing? Like what was your career or how were you making a living prior to all this wood stuff? Like, I bounced around from a couple different, from a few different things, from teaching, um, did that for a little bit, then switched over into doing like some renovation work. Um, and then I was doing paralegal work. Previous experience that you had working was completely separate from the wood industry, which is pretty cool that, you know, the hobby that you started with your dad has kind of turned into what it has right now. Right. We didn't do any woodworking before this. My limits of woodworking ended in middle school when we would build like this, <laughs> like the equivalent of a soapbox derby type, uh, type, type car. Um, I'd never really done anything else since then. I don't really consider it like putting down flooring in a home to be woodworking. You know, now I spend some time, I look at your website and you have some pretty impressive pieces of furniture on there. Um, and Thank is you. that you and is your dad still involved in, in helping with some of the furniture making or is that all you know? No, that I'd say he does more of that than I do. Um, we'll mill the logs together. I do all the milling, like operating the machine, the sawmill itself. He'll do the loading and unloading of the logs from the mill. Uh, we load the kiln and unload that together. And after we receive the slabs back from the planer, then he and I will work together to make sure um, that whatever specs the customers gave us for how they want their pieces finished, that we're all, that we're both on board with it. Um, so he'll do some cuts or I'll do some cuts and sanding and epoxy work he does mostly. So most of the finished work is, is, is him. He does the majority of that. For the tables themselves, I'll do the metalwork. For like the steel bases that we build, I'll do all of that. So our responsibilities for the finished product are, are split pretty evenly, but he does most of the woodwork. I'll stick with the metalwork. Is this your full-time job now? Like, are you 100% focused on your Keenan slab works and furniture, or are you still doing another job and this is kind of a side hustle for you? No, this is six days a week. Uh, it would be seven, but I'm told by my girlfriend that I need to take at least one day a week off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny. Um, but yeah, this has been full-time for um, at least two years, maybe two and a half. So we've had the kiln late February of 2020. I'd say that summer, 
like July, um, I had to go full time to to keep up with everything, to keep up with with demand, not just for the kiln, but slab sales and and producing slabs, milling. What was the what was the turning point when you're like, okay, I'm leaving my other job. I think I got something here. I'm going out on my own. I'm going to do this full time. I mean, that's got to be a little bit scary leaving, you know, some security and comfort of that steady paycheck. But you must have thought, hey, I've got something here I can do. Um, was there a, a certain moment where you're like, this is it? I'm jumping into this both feet? Or it was a gradual transition from the other job to, to this full time? It was a gradual transition. Um, we knew that um, the iDry would supply or provide a nice, consistent revenue stream. Even if some months were slower than others, we knew that we would, at the minimum, be able to meet our loan obligation for the kiln and be able to pay for the electrical bill. So I wasn't really concerned about um, what, I would be doing, like if, if, for example, there was a slow month and we only made, I don't know, 3,000 on the kiln as opposed to eight or 10. Um, I knew that as long as we were covering those costs, we could keep going with the hobby. But we never had a slow month. Um, when we got the kiln, we were immediately booked out for, I think it was three months three full kiln loads of just customers bringing their slabs to us or purchasing slabs from us that we had milled. And over that summer, that list or that uh, wait list went out to six months. So in July of 2020, we were, our kiln space was reserved all the way through the rest of the year. So at that point, you know, when you're, when we were looking at that and thinking, well, should we get a second kiln to, to, to keep up with the demand? Um, we decided, or I decided that I wanted to do this full time uh, and not just as a hobby or, you know, a side hustle after the paralegal work. Um, and I had a conversation with my dad about that and, Said, yeah, I'd like to do this full time. You know, I think that we can, you know, make a or I can make a, a decent living at it. And he was all all on board with it and um, helped me a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in getting everything going, not just uh, on um, you know the manual work of loading the kiln or putting logs on the on the mill or moving slabs around, but also the, the business aspect of things, you know, how to um, form a business entity and file the paperwork and um, different uh, requirements for tax purposes, all of that, which he is very well versed in and I had no idea. Um, but that laid the groundwork for everything and we've been able to um, develop every single aspect of our business since then over the past three years. Sounds like a good partnership. Is he as busy as he wants to be right now? I know it's funny. It started out, he just wanted to, in his retirement, have a little hobby and, and stay busy. And it sounds like 
you guys have a cranking full-fledged business going on now. So how's the old man doing with it? He's happy and busy and yeah, yeah, very happy. Um, he goes out there and um, every day that I'm over here, he's over here doing the same stuff I'm doing. <laughs> Keeping him you know, young. Uh, loading the mill or, or the kiln or making trips to the planer or picking up logs. Um, you know, there, there are several days of the week where I leave at five o'clock and he'll go out and, and work on um, sanding down slabs for, you know, customer projects that we have coming up or doing epoxy pours um, so that we can make sure that we're hitting our deadlines. So I, I, I think he's happy with it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, also, you guys, how did you get so busy so quick? Was that word of mouth for you guys? Did you guys just have enough people that say, hey, Austin Keenan just got a kiln, or did you guys do some advertising and put, uh, how did you get that influx of drying customers right off? I think the biggest, um, I guess, funnel for customers coming and asking us to dry material for them is because they were purchasing slabs from us. So we had an inventory at that time, it was smaller. It was, you know, a few hundred slabs, four or five, 600 slabs. Um, but being able to say, yeah, we can do that here and I can get this done really fast. And it's going to be better than anywhere else in the, within an hour of us. Um, because we're the only ones that have this eye dry kiln. We're the only ones that have a vacuum set up that's willing to dry for other people. After that, after we got the kiln, we were able to advertise that we had it and we were able to do uh, Facebook marketplace listings. And we were able to start a social media campaign with Instagram and, and Facebook. And actually um, the Google listing was huge. That hands down, we get more views on our Google listing than any other social media um, account that we have set up. And I can go and look at my metrics for this past month, but it's usually between six and 20,000 views a month on our Google page. So we populate that with photos of things that we offer people and, and we list what our services are. So it could be anywhere from the very beginning of the whole process, doing log removals for a homeowner that, you know, cut a tree down or had to fall over to milling it on our bandsaw that can now do 70 inches wide to putting it in our kiln, which can drive, you know, slabs, thick tabletop slabs in four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, depending on thickness to um, having these massive slabs planed because we developed a, a working business relationship with a nearby furniture manufacturer. So we take trailer loads of slabs over to them every month. They plane them all for us and then we, we bring them back and we can also do the finish work for people. So we truly are a one-stop shop for everybody. Um, and all of that, all, every stage in that pr process grew out of necessity because, you know, we have this 
equipment now and we needed a way to, you know, keep it full. Um, and then people would say, oh, well, yeah, well, you drive the slab for us. Can you plane it? Oh, yeah, we know a guy that can do that. Oh, cool. Can you finish it for us, too? Yeah, we can do that. Can you deliver it? I don't have a truck or a trailer or a way to get in, in my house. Yeah, we can do that, too. So we, we've tried to listen to our customers and provide them with service or products that they are looking for. And it's worked out really well for us. So crazy. Somebody could take a giant tree in their yard that needs to be removed, call you guys, and you guys could turn it into a beautiful dining room table within a very short period of time, which is it's cool. People like wood now that tells a story. People like now with the ability with epoxy, we can pretty much save any piece of wood and, and put together furniture and save something from the, going to the chipper or to the landfill. So... Uh, really awesome that you guys can connect all those pieces. Like you said, a one-stop shop. It's really nice that people are starting to realize that wood, you know, trees can yield more than just firewood. Um, recently, we went up to a local town, maybe 30 minutes down the road from us. They had a, an old willow tree that blew over in an ice storm that came through. We went out on a Saturday afternoon, met with the homeowner. He needed referrals for tree companies that could come in and take care of all the cleanup without, you know, ruining his yard or any of the corresponding shrubs or buildings. <clears throat> so I gave him a referral. Tree company came out on Monday to do the removal, like, uh, like clean everything up. We came out Monday, the same time tree company was there. They loaded the logs on the trailer for us. We milled them a couple days later and he came down and watched the milling process, which he thought was really cool. Um, and then we took back the slab or we took the slabs back to his property that he wasn't having dried. He did select three that we are gonna be drying for him and we're gonna be finishing them into uh, coffee tables. And this whole the whole reason why they decided to save part of this willow tree was because the homeowners had fond memories of their kids when, you know, they're mid thirties. So when Pocahontas, that the animated movie came out, they had um, the giant willow tree in the backyard that the kids would go out there and they would call it grandma willow and they would talk to it and, and all that. Um, so it had a, a, a nostalgic and sentimental value to the homeowner and they wanted to make something really cool out of this tree and give it to their kids as a memento of, you know, grandma willow that was in their backyard when they were, when they were growing up. And so we got to be a part of literally every process of this from, from going there to being involved in the removal, milling, drying. Now we're going to finish the pieces for them. And the homeowner was, was very, very happy um, that this tree was actually being repurposed. It wasn't being wasted. Oh, God. You think, of, you think about that. This tree held such good memories. You guys are able to turn it into furniture, and that furniture is going to be passed down from generation to generation within that family. And that's like the, yeah, that's the best story I've heard in a long time that highlights really what we want to do with this 
urban lumber and salvaged trees and, and the sentimental value that trees can hold in people's life. So, yeah, that's a great story. It works pretty well um, pairing up with tree company, tree removal companies because um, we're able to, you know, provide them with referrals and, and therefore business. And they will call us on other jobs that they're on when they have giant trees that come down and say, hey, you know, this, we got a four foot wide oak here or, um, you know, this is a, a five foot wide ash log or, you know, we're clearing out a golf course and there's going to be 20 logs there, you know, we're doing it next Tuesday. Um, and we'll, they know that they can rely on us to be there when they're dropping these trees so that the cleanup is all done right away. You know, they don't have to um, pay their employees to sit there or stand there and cut these big trees up into small manageable sections that then they can load and transport and then pay to dump. They just call us and the whole thing's gone at once. Um, so that's worked out really well for us. We don't charge tree companies to go doing those, to go do those removals. Um, and they give us the material. Yeah. You think about what other industry can you go out and get the raw material for free? I mean, I know it's labor. I know you have to be there and you have to work it, but after you get that raw material you guys are cutting it up, you're slabbing it, you're flattening it and making a decent living. You're making a living off of this material that came in for free. And that's crazy. Say, I can't think of any other um, any other industries that are like that. Um, there's certainly, um, I'd say, a lot of freedom with this one with with urban logging. You know, because you're essentially removing uh, refuse or you know, trash that the homeowner doesn't want anymore. They're giving it to you, and rather than dumping it somewhere, um, you're able to use it for something turning it into beautiful works of art. If you look at your website and other people's website who are doing this, they're taking something, like you said, it's trash, and you're turning it into a prized piece of furniture, heirloom quality furniture that's going to be passed down for years and years and years, and grandkids will be fighting over who wants that beautiful dining room table because it's so beautiful. Um, and... It's not in the ground. It's not rotting. It's not going to the landfill. It's, it's what, we, what we all, that's the goal here. Transitioning from the corporate world and paralegal and at a desk most of the time to now you're working with your hands, you're getting the calluses, you're, you're out there, you're breathing in the fresh air. Do you think that's been an improvement on your quality of life and your mental health and your well-being? being in that world now or? Yes. Yeah. Hands down. Um, when we were getting busy with milling logs for ourselves or for people, um, yeah, we still had our day jobs. So we were still in the office, you know, getting our commitments completed, but I got really efficient at getting that stuff done because <laughs> yeah. when that was done, then we could go outside and we could uh, do the fun mill or go do log removals or, you know, the fun stuff. Um, the, uh, 
the type of law that we were involved in, it was uh, family law. And so you're dealing with custody disputes, uh, you're dealing with divorces, um, uh, grandparents' rights, super kids that, you know, maybe their parents um, aren't in the picture anymore. So it's some stuff that was mentally draining. You know, you, you see some, some, some of the, the worst aspects of society and you're around it, and it can be it can be difficult. Um, I can imagine. But when you're when you're done with that, when you get your paperwork done, and you know you, you crossed all your T's and dotted all your I's, and you rechecked everything, and it's good to go, and um, there's nothing left on the calendar for the day. And then yeah, you go outside and play with the sawmill, <laughs> yeah. and it's like the reward, so you can get. You know, you get your work done quick so you can go out and uh, go out and play and you know, get do what you have to do so you can do what you want to do. Sawmilling. Some guys, some guys talk about their motorcycles, their escape, because you have to be in the moment right there. I, I feel like it's kind of the same way with sawmilling or splitting wood or any type of thing like that. You're working with your hands. That's what your focus is on. It kind of shuts out the rest of the world. At least for me, when I'm when I'm doing stuff like that, are you living the dream right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd say that. I'm I'm really happy with how things have progressed. I want to keep moving forward with it. I want to keep growing it. Um, I wake up in the morning and my mindset is not I have to go to work. It's I get to go to work. Um, then, uh, then I'm trying to think of all the things that I get to do during the day rather than things that, um, you know, I have to do. Um, then, you know, from a, from a family aspect of it, um, being able to set my own schedule and, and say, yeah, if, as long as I can, you know, get these logs done by this week and, you know, get everything ready for the kiln, then maybe I could take, you know, a Friday afternoon off and do something with my son. Um, like this, uh, tomorrow, actually, we're going up to the, uh, the farm show, the Pennsylvania farm show. Uh, and he's almost a year and a half. So he's really into cars and tractors and things like that. And I'm able to be able to do that because I'm not beholden to an employer and sick days and, and paid leave and things like that. I know that if I get all the stuff that I want to get done completed early in the week, then I have more flexibility to do other things in my personal life. So Austin, it says that your story started with an ice storm and a big ass walnut tree. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that story? So the tree blew over in an ice storm, um, third week of March, 2017. And at that time, um, Jamie and I, my dad, were tossing around the idea of doing this live edge stuff because that was like all the craze back then. Um, and we knew that the slabs, um, some of the slabs could be valuable, but we had very, very limited understanding of that whole market. So we were talking about, you know, where do we source the trees? You know, how do we go about even getting started in this? Because we had no idea. And 
my brother's girlfriend at the time said, hey, my grandma just had a tree blow down in the ice storm. It's over in Columbia, which is uh, 20 minutes from us, half hour from us. So we said, okay, yeah, we'll go take a look. And it was at the time just this monster of a tree. You know, I, I had no idea how we were going to get this thing out. Um, it was hadn't been processed at all. So it hadn't been bucked. Um, it still had all the tension in it because it was a blowover. So if you cut off stuff in the wrong sequence, the whole tree could, could swing upright. Um, so we were complete novices going in there with, you know, small chainsaws that were at the time, maybe 10 years old, thinking that we were going to pull this log out. And um, it was March 31st of 2017 was the day that we went there because I, I remember that that was the first log we ever got. And we didn't know what lengths to cut the, cut the tree down to. We didn't know whether or not you should include the, include the crotch section in the logs. Uh, we, we really didn't have much of an understanding. Uh, we were trying to look at photos online of what the wood would look like. It was black walnut. And we were trying to figure out where we should cut, you know, this tree down so that we could have the really cool looking features, you know, in, in these slabs that we were eventually going to chainsaw mill. Um, but we were able to get a pretty good yield from the tree. We were using at the time an old F-150. I don't, oh, how long you was that truck? Like a 90? It was a 1998 Ford F-150, rusted out all over the place. Um, uh, the brakes usually worked. Um, the motor was not, uh, I wasn't like the best rig for, <laughs> for, for doing this type of work. Um, but we, we had that thing out there. It was a V8 and we were, you know, five, 6,000 RPM, you know, trying to pull these logs, you know, out of the way so we could position them and, um, and then we're like, okay, we got all the log processed and we got these logs positioned, but now we need to get them onto the trailer. And well, we didn't have, at the time, I didn't want to invest any money in renting a machine, you know, like a, a skid loader to come in and pick these things up and put on, on our little trailer we got from tractor supply. But we, um, decided to build a log arch, you know, like a steel frame on the back of the, uh, the trailer. Got the idea from uh, Matt Cremona on YouTube. He was building one. And we were over there using this log arch to pull these uh, <laughs> walnut logs out of this alley. Uh, eventually got them loaded, but they were, a lot, they were a lot longer than the trailer. So <laughs> they were actually scraping the, the asphalt as we were driving away, which... <laughs> you're not supposed to do so don't get any bad idea about <laughs> trying that um we don't do it like that anymore but you know we eventually got got it all cleaned up and got it all out of there and um decided that uh, we weren't going to chainsaw mill these because um uh, the curve of the chainsaw was was too much and it was going to be eventually just throwing material on the ground rather than um you know, getting thicker slabs. So we saved the logs for about a year. And in the process, we got a bunch of other logs uh, smaller. 
material. Cherry, poplar, oak, you know, even some more walnut. Um, and after, <laughs> after we had that chainsaw mill, um, which by the way, broke after about three uses, we uh, uh, bought a giant chainsaw with a six foot bar. We were using that and eventually got the bandsaw. When we got the bandsaw is when we ended up harvesting or not harvesting, but actually milling this, um, that first walnut that we ever got. Um, some of those slabs went uh, all over the East Coast, actually. They didn't just um, stay local to the area. There are other people that ended up coming and buying those slabs from us. And then, you know, we finished them, or, uh, did the finish work on the slabs and, and delivered them. So um, we did give one slab back to the homeowner. We built a coffee table for her. That was part of the arrangement. You know, we, we would have the material if we gave her a, a piece that she could remember the tree by. Um, but the rest of it went to other com or other uh, customers, other clients all over the East Coast. You heard it here first, a rusted out 1998 Ford F-150. Some old chainsaws with some 16-inch bars and a dream. That's all you need, right? And that's the started the whole started the whole movement for you. So yeah, yeah, it's the uh, the truncated version of it. Certainly, <laughs> I spoke previously about the availability of kiln space and how where we are located, it was very difficult to find anybody that could dry slabs for us with. Um, consistency. You know, every month we could take 20, 30 slabs to them. There just wasn't anybody like that. I didn't talk about the quality benefit of drying with an eye dry compared to a traditional heat kiln setup or a dehumidification setup or a solar kiln because we looked into all those. The eye dry not only dries the wood faster, but there is next to no color loss. So if you have walnut and you have the dark center wood and you have the whiter, like buttercream um, outer layer, um, that same white color is gonna be there when the slabs come out of the kiln. So aesthetically, it's superior because you can't get that result very easily in a heat setup. Heat kiln setup. Um, the structural integrity of the wood is significantly better. Um, some people call it yield, but I view it from a structural standpoint. Um, so you put in a three inch thick oak slab, how much are you going to end up with after it comes back from the planer? Well, with these eye dry kilns, um, if you take it slow, you don't try and rush everything. You do it how the machine is designed to be used. You get a very good product every month, every kiln load. You can rely on it. It's dependable. I can say, yeah, we need to mill this at three and a quarter um, because we want a specific thickness slab for the tabletop after it comes back from the planer. And I know that they're going to turn out like that because we have the drying cycles all, all dialed in. What are you drying most? Like, what's your number one species that you get requests for, would you say? For drying? Yep. For uh, for selling slabs, is walnut your number one seller, or oak. what would you say? Oak is by far our number one seller. 
We sell more pin oak than any other species, including walnut. How are you drying that pin oak? Are you doing some air drying first and then low power mode settings? What's your process for drying? So our, our process, our setup is a little bit different than what other people do with um, eye dry kilns. We don't have a, well, we just built a building, but when we, first, when we started out with the eye dry three years ago, we didn't have any place to store dried material. So what we did is focused more on the front side of things, the, the, the beginning stages of the process where a customer could come and they could pick out a slab from our slab inventory or yard that is open to the elements. It's not under cover. And we could then turn around and put that in the kiln and, and have it ready for them in four to eight weeks, depending on, you know, when the kiln cycle would begin. Um, but we don't necessarily dry air dry everything for a specific set of time you know it's not like we have oak slabs that are sitting out there and we say yeah these have to be air dried for a year or two years before we can list them for sale before we can put them in the kiln that that's just not a requirement with these eye dry kilns you can take material that was milled very recently and put it in the kiln and, you know, adjust the, the settings a little bit. You run it at a lower temp with a longer um, interval for the drain cycles. And you get a product that when, it, when the kiln cycle is done, it's dry, it's flat. The colors are very close to how they were when you milled it. We deplete. Um, you get more yield because the slabs aren't moving in the kiln. They're not warping, twisting, bowing, cupping. Um, you don't have to anticipate, you know, six inches of waste on the end of each slab from checking because the water isn't moving out the ends. It's moving out every face due to that pressure variance. Um, so the kiln itself, the vacuum kiln has allowed us to kind of take a model that other businesses have used of, you know, drying things quickly and getting a good result. Um, but it's allowed us to do this without having the requirement of a warehouse to store all the slabs, um, which was very important for us from when, when we were beginning. And you know, we didn't have the, the, uh, the funds available to build a building. We didn't know, you know, what we were going to, or if we were even going to need something like that. What does the future hold for Keenan Slabworks? What's next? So future moving forward, um, listening to our customers and what they are interested in uh, would be flattening services. Um, some of the slabs that we sell to people are enormous. They're five foot plus in width. Um, some of them, we, we built a table for a guy that was over six foot wide and 15, 16 feet long, there just aren't planers that big. So there are a couple companies that make different products like that that would help with flattening services. So that's one, one goal is to provide an additional service that we can do in-house so we don't have to outsource. 
Um, the second goal would be to have an inventory of dried material in our building that we just recently completed because we needed to. <clears throat> so people can come in and they can pick something that's ready to go. It's already been dried. It's already been planed. It's sanded to 120 grit. They can take it home with them that day and work on it. Um, a lot of people that buy slabs from us are hobbyists or small businesses that are making things for other people. And to be able to offer that, um, those products, I think would, would be a good way or a good plan forward. Um, in addition to flattening services and having an inventory that's dried and ready to go, um, possibly getting into dimensional work, you know, doing one by sixes, one by tens, that type of thing for people that aren't looking for these big monster slabs. They just want to do small things like jewelry boxes or birdhouses, like how we thought we were going to be <laughs> in the beginning. Um, right now, the iDrive Plus is, is um, doing very well for us. I think if we got into the dimensional work and had a steady, consistent buyer or buyers for that material, then we could step up to the um, turbo with the heat plates. Um, if we did that, that would go in our new building and we would use our wood boiler that we're planning on getting um, as the heat source. So any of the material that down at the mill that isn't um, captured in the form of slabs, you know, i.e. sawdust or um, you know, drops from trimming the log down so it can sit on the mill properly. All that could then be used to heat the building and the kiln um, to keep costs down. But, you know, ideally, if we got into the uh, dimension work, that iDry Turbo would be the way to go. With the heat plates, you get a significantly faster drying time. You can run it at a lower vacuum so you have less degrade in the wood, less color loss. Um, you know, that, that would be a goal if we decide to go into the dimensional route. Yeah, anybody that calls me and talks about dimensional stuff, the plate systems for sure uh, gives you the ability to press the wood. Your colors, like you mentioned, are super bright. So, yeah, if, uh, if things head that direction, um, that would be a great machine for you. And your idea of using your waste product to, for the drying process just further goes into... Uh, efficient and salvaging wood that would otherwise be wasted. So we, we try to be um, as green as possible with it, with the whole process. We don't want massive piles of you know, debris and waste accumulating at different places. So our thought of getting, you know, the wood boiler, which is unrelated to, you know, the, the, this interview, but um, that was one way that we could manage some of the the waste you know and turn it into something usable in the form of heat because we have radiant tubing in the flooring of our our new workshop uh, we also use a lot of that sawdust and mix it with uh leaves from the town that we live near we'll go in and get you know 100 200 bags of leaves at the end of the fall or end of the season um, and turn all that into compost and spread it around in the gardens around the property uh, we've also paired with uh, 10 million trees for PA 
It's part of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation where their goal is to, to plant 10 million trees in Pennsylvania to help limit soil erosion and runoff into streams, which eventually lead to the Susquehanna and then down to the, to the Chesapeake Bay. So we've been, uh, let's see, well, I think we're up to 750 or 770, somewhere around at least 750 trees that we planted in 2022. Um, all around the property where the sawmill is located. But then we would be using a lot of that sawdust and, and uh, leaf compost, you know, as fertilizer. So it's, so it's a natural organic fertilizer for those trees too. Thanks so much for jumping on here and sharing your story. And congratulations. It sounds like you have a really awesome, awesome company and uh, great family, father and son duo. So, uh, Congratulations, awesome company. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for spending some time with us. Look forward to see what, what else comes out of Keenan Slab Works. Thanks for having me on, and it was great to be a part of the Whiskey and Wood series. Thank you, Austin.